And so some of you, and this is pretty common amongst believers, we start the new year, a lot of us with a New Year's resolution that we're going to read the Bible cover to cover in that calendar year. And it's a, it's a lofty goal, and it's a pretty honorable goal. And usually January, you're reading and you're chugging along. You get through Genesis and God's great works and you get to uh, Exodus and God's parting the Red Sea and all of that. And then comes February and you get to Leviticus (laughs) and Numbers. And most of us, if you were like me, you probably was like, I don't know what this is about. I quit. I'm not reading anymore. You're, you're reading about all of these crazy rituals and sacrifices and all of these customs. And if you were like me, you probably said, okay, I can't quit. I'm just going to skip over it because I don't understand any of what it means. And that's okay. I did that too. But what I, what I realized is that when you really kind of begin to peel back the layers of Scripture, there's so much amazing revelation that you will find when you just invest the time to peel it back and really see what God is trying to say. And I learned that in my personal studies as uh, I gained just amazing revelation from the scriptures. And all that you see in the Old Testament is simply a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Everything that we see, even the confusing stuff, I want to give you a really quick example. So I, bought a cu- I brought a couple items here um, to service this morning. Um, this is a, a bin of ashes from our burn pile here at, at, at the house. Uh, nothing's just wood and trees and limbs and whatnot. And um, this is just a gallon of uh, distilled water. Now, if I said to you, I want you to go clean up, all of you would grab for this, Right? All of you would grab for the gallon of water to go clean up, and I doubt seriously that any of you would grab for these ashes to go clean up. But see, something really interesting in in the Old Testament, in the Scripture, tells us that it's a combination of these two things that allows you the ashes and this water to become clean. And without these two things... You remain impure or dirty. Now, listen, I was going to mix it all together, and my daughter said, Dad, don't do that because you make a mess with everything you do, and you're going to make a mess at church, so don't mix it. So I decided not to. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. See? <laughs> the Bible says you got you to you seek out wise counsel, and that's what that was. She gave me some wise counsel. One of the most unusual of the sacrifices or one of these rituals in Scripture is um, the, the sacrifice or of the red heifer. And I want to spend a little time talking to you today about the sacrifice of the red heifer. And that might sound really strange to all of you, um, but it is a really, really important Old Testament ordinance that I want to take some time to examine with you today. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now ahead of time, this isn't a sermon that's going to get you all hooting and screaming and singing hallelujah and all that stuff, and it's really not for that. Today, what I hope that this sermon will do is empower you with the knowledge of the Word to strengthen your faith so that you can go out with the truth of Scripture and share the gospel message. That's what I hope we can accomplish today. 
And so uh, Friday night began a very special Shabbat. And it was Shabbat Parah. And for those of you who aren't familiar with this special Shabbat, this is one of uh, four special Shabbats that our Jewish brothers and sisters celebrate. And this one in particular is a celebration or is the beginning of their formal preparation for Passover. And it was in, in accordance with what God told the people in Numbers chapter 19. I won't get into all the specifics about that uh, particular Shabbat, but just understand it is a special Shabbat. Again, it's Shabbat Parah, and it's the Shabbat of the Red Heifer. And we'll explain a little bit about that as we get into the Scripture today. So why don't you turn with me to Numbers 19? Because that's where we're going to spend our time today examining uh, this Scripture. Numbers 19... We're going to read, not yet, but we're going to read about the first 11 passages or so today in the Scripture. This is a very interesting and even perplexing sacrifice because this is one of those sacrifices that it purifies and it cleanses those who receive it, and it's a purification from contact with death or with a corpse, okay? What's interesting about this is that the individual who is performing the ritual cleansing, then in of themselves, because of their performing the ritual, they themselves become impure. The person receiving it is cleansed and is purified, but the person performing it becomes impure. It's a really perplexing thing, but you know what I think? It proves that all the rabbis were all men. And I'll tell you why. Because any woman at that time, and even most of you ladies know today, when you start cleaning a house, you start with a clean sponge and a dirty house. And when you're done, you end up with a dirty sponge and a clean house, right? That's pretty basic. There's nothing complex about that. But rabbis and scholars have been just racking their brain about the mystery of this particular ordinance for years. But thank you, ladies, for helping us to figure it out. It's during this season, not only in Scripture, but it's in this season that we're in right now that the people of God were preparing themselves to make the pilgrimage to Jerusalem and their pilgrimage to the temple. It was a season of preparation. And I love how our worship team and Derek, thank you so much. I didn't tell my brother Derek what I was going to be preaching on. I simply said, it's time to get ready. And what an amazing worship set he put together. Didn't he put together a great worship set today? Amen. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, worship team. McKaylee, thank you. Beautiful. I love that song. It's just a great reminder. And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to take some time to examine Old Testament truth revealed by New Testament. Okay, hear me again. Old Testament truth with the revelation of New Testament. And we're going to examine some of that today. Again, it's for the purpose of of empowering you and strengthening your faith. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. It'll go fast and furious, so please stay with me. Now, when we look at all of these ordinances, and in particular, this ordinance of the red heifer, a lot of us will ask ourselves, what does that mean? What does any of it mean? How does it apply to me? How does this ordinance of the red heifer apply to me today? 
And, and why is it important to me as a believer? Why should this passage in Numbers 19 have any bearing in my life? Well, that's what I hope that we can answer today. I'll start out with this scripture. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, after Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. He says, I did not come to abolish, but I came to fulfill. That the Old Testament was the foreshadowing of the coming of the Messiah, and the, Old, and the New Testament is the revelation of God, of Jesus Christ. And we cannot have one without the other. I, I see a lot of times in, in, in young Christians especially, when they find their faith, they focus so much on New Testament and they miss it because they fail to understand the connection of the old. And we begin to create even twisted and, and misguided doctrine because we fail to connect the, revel or the mysteries that were revealed to us in the Old Testament. And that's what I want to examine today because Jesus says, I simply came to fulfill everything that you already read about. Amen. And so we need one to understand the other. So let's read today. And before we do, we're going to pray. We're going to read, again, Numbers 19. If you haven't gotten there already, go ahead and get to Numbers 19. But let us pray. Father, I thank you today that as we sang today, we sing in our hearts that no matter what, Lord, um, we will sing with all of creation, that we will join with the heavenly choirs in singing your praise. Father, I thank you for giving us this season of preparation. God, I pray today that people's hearts today will begin to become conditioned and that they prepare themselves for this Passover season and for the celebration of your resurrection as we come upon this season. Lord, um, I just pray that the people are reminded as uh, young McKaylee sung today, God, that you have never made a mistake and that you didn't make a mistake with any of us. And so we thank you, Father. We lift you up. May you bless this word today. In Jesus' name, the people of God say, amen. 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 All right. Numbers 19, as, we, as you know, as we like to do, I'm going to read through the scripture, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to begin to dissect and peel away the layers of scripture of the Old Testament um, with the revelation of New Testament scripture. Are you ready? Here we go. Starting in verse 1 of Numbers 19, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Whatever you have is just fine. We'll arrive at the same place. And it says, And then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the statute of the law, which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, that they bring you an unblemished red heifer, in which is no defect, and on which a yoke has never been placed. And you shall give it to Eleazar the priest." And it shall be brought outside the camp and be slaughtered in his presence. Next, Eleazar the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood towards the front of the tent of meetings seven times. And then the heifer shall be burned in his sight. Its hide, its flesh, its blood, and its dung shall be burned. The priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop 
and scarlet material and cast it into the midst of the burning heifer. The priest shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterwards uh, come into the camp, but the priest shall be unclean until evening. The water, I'm so sorry, I skipped, <laughs> skipped it. And the one who burns it shall also wash his clothes in water and bathe his body in water and shall be unclean until evening. Now a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them outside the camp in a clean place. And the congregation of the sons of Israel shall keep it as water to remove impurity. It is purification from sin. The one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It shall be a perpetual statue to the sons of Israel and to the alien who sojourners among them. Thank you, Lord, for the reading and revelation of your word. Amen. So in Numbers 19, let's start unpacking this scripture. I believe there is so much great revelation in these short 11 passages that I want to examine with you in the short time that we have together today. Now, some scholars believe that the, the red heifer or uh, para adama, again, red heifer, para adama, that this red heifer is God looking back to Adam. Adama, which means red or red clay, Adam meaning earth. Uh, many scholars believe that this is a reference back to Adam. And that this using of this red uh, heifer is connecting that uh, original, connecting the sacrifice back to the original sin. Now you have to understand that the sacrifice of this red heifer was only done when the ashes had run out. When the ashes of the previous red heifer sacrifice had run out. Beloved, in all of recorded history of Israel, there were only nine of these sacrifices that were performed. Seven during the first temple, two during the second temple, and many, many scholars believe that the tenth sacrifice will usher in the reign of Jesus Christ powerful revelation. And so the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is interesting in that like the heifer, it was done, but the heifer sacrifice had to be done over and over and over again. But beloved, the sacrifice of Christ Jesus was perfect in that it only had to happen once, and as scripture says, for all. It wasn't a need for Christ in his perfection to do it over and over again. His sacrifice lasted and will last for eternity. But this red heifer was chosen because she was perfect. The scripture says that she must be spotless, without blemish. And the scripture says that she has to never have had a yoke placed upon her. Now see, a red heifer, even today, a completely perfect and blemishless red heifer is extremely, extremely rare. In the Talmud, which is the, the Jewish uh, civil and ceremonial law, it says that if even a single black or other colored hair was on that heifer, it was unlawful and it was rejected. 
that this heifer had to be perfect. And like Christ, he too was spotless. He too was without blemish. He too never had the yoke of sin upon him as a heifer would have a yoke around her neck to tie her to another cow. You got to see how God is revealing Christ in this scripture. But notice here in the scripture how it was a cow that was chosen and not a lamb. And a lot of the other sacrifices, you see that there was a lamb that's chosen, but in this case, it was a, a cow, but not just a cow, it wasn't a bull, it was a female cow. In no other sacrifice in Scripture do you see a female animal used in Scripture. Now let me explain to you those two things. You see, there are many scholars who believe that the use of the cow was because the cow was an animal of burden. Understand what I'm saying here? That, a, that, that the heifer was an animal who carried heavy burden. That this animal was an animal that rendered a humble service to her owners. She plowed fields. She gave and produced milk. She carried carts and whatnot. She rendered a humble service. Many scholars believe that this female animal was used because the female cow was much more submissive than a bull. And they liken it to Christ's submission to the Father. This is powerful stuff. And how God is even speaking to us about Christ, even seeming unseemingly through this ordinance of the red heifer. And it's beautiful. Let me read you from Matthew chapter 20. Consider this verse for me, because Christ himself was a servant to the world. Christ himself was carried a, a, an amazing, humble service out unto all the world. And consider this verse in Matthew chapter 20, verse 27, where it says, And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'll give you another scripture. Again, Old Testament truth revealed in New Testament scripture. Please follow me here. Philippians chapter 2, and starting in verse 5. Listen, on the back of your sermon notes or your, your handout today, there is a place in the back. This might be a sermon where you might want to take some notes. I'm just making a small suggestion. If you want to write down some scripture, today might be a good day to do that. Philippians chapter 2. Starting in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man. And in verse 8, And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ came 
And he revealed to us what this red heifer was doing for us in Old Testament. Let's read in verse 3. Going back to Numbers 19, verse 3, and again, it says, just to reiterate, it says, You shall give to Eleazar the priest, and he may take it outside the camp, the red heifer. He will take it outside the camp, and it shall be slaughtered before him. You know, as I was dissecting this scripture, I asked myself, wait a minute, Eleazar isn't the high priest. Why is Eleazar performing this particular ritual? And what's the connection? Beloved, you have to understand in this text, Eleazar's father is Aaron, the high priest, brother of Moses. And what does Aaron do? Aaron allows Eleazar to take the burden of this ritual. This ritual was going to make Eleazar ritually unclean. And so in order not to defile the father, the son took on the burden of taking on that impurity. Are y'all, can, are y'all with me right now? And so because of that, Eleazar took that on. And he took on that, that burden to become un, un, uh, uh, defiled so that Aaron the high priest would not. And then in the very next passage, it says that he took the heifer outside of the camp. Now, what's the big deal about this, this cow being slaughtered outside the camp? You see, the sacrifice of this heifer outside the camp was a foreshadowing of Jesus being taken out of Jerusalem, out of the city, outside of the camp, and taken up onto a high place so that he would be slaughtered on the cross. Hebrews 13 verse 12 says, again, where did Christ die? He died on Calvary, on the cross. Hebrews 13, 12 and 13 says, therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Old Testament truth, New Testament revelation. See, in verse 12 here in Hebrews, it's telling us what? It's saying that we see Christ going outside the camp to be slaughtered as this heifer was. Why? Because he had to bring salvation to the whole world, and it had to be done outside the camp. See, we see the Savior, our Savior Jesus Christ, as Hebrews said, he left his comfort in heaven to come down and take your burden and mine. He had to go outside of the gate so that the lost could be found, so that those who were dying could be saved. Jesus left his comfort. See, the sacrifice of the heifer is a complete picture of the reproach that Christ took at, our, at his expense, but for our benefit. And it's beautiful that he would leave his glory and his comfort in heaven to come and do that for me and for you. Now remember, the the worship team sang a song about preparing and preparation. And today, it is all about giving you this truth to begin to prepare your hearts for these coming weeks. You see, Christ died on the cross outside of Jerusalem. 
And I, what I noticed about Christ's ministry is Christ spent very little time inside the camp. He spent very little time inside the city. Where was Christ most of his ministry? Christ was outside the camp, beloved. Christ took the message to the people. He wasn't waiting for the people to come into the church. He wasn't waiting for the people to come into the temple. No, he says, I'm going to take the message. I'm going to take it outside of the camp. For what? So that he can minister to the outcast, to the broken, to the tax collectors, to the prostitutes. You name it, Christ did it to save them. And so we are called, beloved, as believers, we are called, as Hebrews says, to follow him outside the camp. We are called as believers to take the message, not here in the church, because I believe everyone in here is saved. We, I, don't, I don't need to try to help y'all get saved anymore. Our job is to take the message outside the camp. And that's what the scripture is revealing to us. So we must go as well as Christ did, as this heifer showed us, we must too go outside the camp. John Piper actually made a really interesting uh, commentary on this particular um, verse uh, about this particular uh, um, scripture. And he stated that this verse actually challenges believers to move forward in need and not comfort. I thought that was powerful. That we should move forward in need and not comfort. What he's saying was just like Christ, he could have stayed up there, beloved. He could have enjoyed all the privileges of being the son of the living God, God himself. He could have enjoyed that, but no, he left his comfort to address our need. And that's our challenge today. It's our challenge to leave the comforts of this sanctuary. No one's suffering in here right now. Everyone has nice cushions that they're sitting on. He says that it is a call to action, a challenge to us as believers to get out of our comfort zone, whatever that comfort zone may be, and to go out into the world and follow Christ and carry to his reproach. Now in verse 4, in Numbers 19, it says that Eleazar took the blood of the heifer with his finger and he sprinkled the blood of the heifer around the, t the entrance of the tent of meetings seven times. And as many of you may be aware, seven is a number of completion. It is a number of perfection. It is a number of covenant with God. And Eleazar took that blood and he sprinkled it. I'll read the scripture to you. And it says, and Eleazar the priest shall take some of the blood with his fingers, sprinkle it seven times directly in front of the tabernacle of meetings. Now see, this blood here signifying completion means that as people are entering the tent of meetings, they have to do what? They have to enter through the blood of the heifer. And so what is our connection today? See, beloved, if we're going to enter into the church of God, we too have to enter through the blood of Christ. Are y'all hearing me? Now, when I'm saying we have, to, we have to do this, we have to enter through the blood of Christ to enter into the church, I am not talking about this 
building. I am not talking about any denomination because let me tell you, beloved, the denominations will all pass away. The United Methodists, gone. Pentecostals, gone. Catholics, gone. We are one church. We are one body. And when God comes to restore this kingdom, we will all be one. You will not get into the heavenly church. You will not receive God's glory in his heavenly church without stepping through his blood as Eleazar did with the people when he sprinkled holiness, the blood of the heifer, seven times on the tent of meetings. You got to see this powerful connection. It is amazing how God shows us Old Testament truth then revealed And New Testament is beautiful. Let me read to you. Consider these scriptures in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 says, Don't forget that you Gentiles, every single one of you, me and you, all of us, that we used to be outsiders by birth. You were called the uncircumcised ones by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ, you were excluded from God's people, Israel, and you did not know the promise that God made to them. But he goes on, He says, you lived in this world without God and without hope. But now, beloved, praise the living God, but now you belong to Christ Jesus. Now pay attention. It gets better in this last passage. He says, though you once were far away from God, now, praise the living God, you have been brought near to him. Why? Because of the blood of Christ. Can somebody say amen? Come on. Mm, I don't know about you, but I get excited when I read these promises in Scripture. Hebrews 10, verse 19 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly, I love how the Scripture says, boldly enter heaven's most holy place. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. It is not because of our own doing. It is not because of our works. It is because of nothing we can do. Simply because of the blood of of Jesus. And although it is through this blood of Jesus that we enter the church, we have to always remind ourselves that the true church, the body, not any denominations, and don't get me wrong, I'm not beating up any denominations today. I love that we are an interdenominational church, but all denominations will be done away with. Ephesians 4 says this, there is one body one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. So it's only through the blood of Christ that we can enter into the tent of meetings, that we can enter into the holy of holies, that we can enter into the very throne room and into the presence of God, a privilege that our Old Testament saints and brothers and sisters never had the privilege of doing in their time. But we, beloved, 
trivialize and minimize the fact that we ourselves individually can come into the very presence of God, not because of our own righteousness, but because of the righteousness and the blood of God that we wear in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. The red heifer shall be burned. Let's read 5 and 6. Again, Numbers chapter 19. It says again, and then the heifer shall be burned in his sight. Its hide, its flesh, its blood, its dung, all shall be burned. And the priest shall take cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet, and cast them into the midst of the fire of the burning heifer. You know, there are many scholars who believe that burning the entire heifer, burning it all, is a direct picture of the complete physical, spiritual, and emotional suffering that Christ took on for us. I want you to think about that for a moment. Christ took on the wrath of the Father. He took all of our punishment that every single one of you in this room, young or old, every single one of you deserved the complete wrath of God. And Jesus took it all. This heifer being completely consumed by fire is a beautiful picture of Jesus doing that for us. Now I want to take a few minutes to examine really quickly these elements that were thrown into the fire. They may seem inconsequential, beloved, but I assure you they are not. The scripture says cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet material or scarlet. So let's take a few minutes to just examine that. Let's start with the cedar wood. I'm not sure if you're aware, but cedar is an interesting wood. My brother Rob knows this, a man of wood. You like working the wood. Cedar is a wood that has um, these interesting properties um, that are rot and disease resistant. That blew my mind when I read that. And they threw that into the fire because this, uh, the, this property of being rot and disease resistant was a picture in Scripture of the thing that is imperishable. The thing that is eternal. And so they threw this, this uh, cedar, and when they threw it in there, cedar, when you burn it, it produces this really sweet aroma. Similar to the sweet aroma of Christ being sacrificed on the cross. That although it was hard, it was pleasing to the Father for Christ to be sacrificed for every single one of us. And it, it was a sweet and pleasing aroma. Now, cedar is a very common wood in that part of the world. And what's interesting about it is that even Christ is actually portrayed as cedar in Ezekiel. Don't believe me? Let me read you the scripture. Ezekiel 17 22 says, And the sovereign Lord says, I will take a tender shoot, Jesus from the top of a tall cedar. I will plant it on the top of Israel's highest mountain. Ezekiel 17, 22. 
See, cedar in this text just seems to signify the eternal thing, hyssop. Uh, hyssop oil uh, actually is, has a lot of um, healing properties. The hyssop oil um, has this antibacterial, antiseptic, and even antifungal property in the hyssop oil. It shows this picture of cleansing. Even David in the Psalms says, in Psalms 51.7, David says, Purge me with hyssop and shall be clean. I shall be clean. Psalms 51.7. Hyssop is a a small, bushy plant, and and again, it's said to have these amazing, um, um, uh, again, antibacterial, antiseptic, antifungal properties. It is a healing plant. And so the hyssop here signifies a cleansing. And now the scarlet. Now, see, I think the scarlet's important because the scarlet binds it all together. Now, follow me here, beloved, and we're almost done The scarlet here uh, symbolizes life because the scarlet color is the color of blood. And it is a representation, we believe, of life. And why? Because blood is the source of life. The scripture says that, that life is in the blood. And so see, it is in this blood, in the shed blood of Christ Jesus, that we find a cleansing and eternal life. Are y'all seeing this today? Are we putting it together? Old Testament truth, New Testament revelation. And so we talk about the ashes. Now I showed you the water and the ashes, which I wasn't going to mix together, but this is the water of purification. Now let me read to you these final few scriptures, and then we'll wrap this all up and we'll put a nice bow on it. Again, Numbers 19, we'll read uh, 11 through 13. It says, he who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days, and he shall purify himself with the water on the third day and on the seventh day, and then he shall be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third and on the seventh day, he will not be clean. Whoever touches the body of anyone who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. That person shall be cut off from Israel. He shall be unclean because the water of purification was not sprinkled on him. His uncleanness is still on him. You see, the scripture says that the ashes were kept in a special container that was clean, that was ritually pure and clean. And if anyone touched a dead body, what would have to happen? It says that someone would have to mix some of those ashes in with the water of separation or that water of purification, take the hyssop branch, dip it in the water of purification, and sprinkle it on that individual in order for them to come become clean. So these ashes of the heifer combined with the elements of healing— And the water of purification will purify someone. But here's what's interesting, is someone had to perform the cleansing. I need y'all to catch this. Two things had to happen. First, the individual had to seek out the cleansing. And then someone had to cleanse them. 
An individual could not cleanse themselves. What's the connection? It is not enough to believe that the heifer was burned. It is not enough to believe in the healing properties of the water of purification. It was up to you as the individual to seek out those two things and allow yourself to be cleansed, but you had to seek it out. It wasn't enough. It is not enough, beloved, for us to simply believe that Christ is our Lord. It is not enough for us to just believe that he died on the cross. It is not enough. We have to ask for him to cleanse us. We have to ask for him to be the Lord of our life. We have to ask for him to cleanse us and come into our life. It is not enough to simply believe. We have to seek out the cleansing that Christ gives us, just like the people of the Old Testament day had to seek out the cleansing themselves. Now, we have a great deal in common with our Old Testament saints, our brothers and sisters of the Old Testament. See, they would touch death and they would become unclear. Beloved, I want to hear to tell you as we begin to close today that every single one of you in this room and the sound of my voice has touched death. If you have ever touched sin, if you have ever committed a sin, you have touched death itself and you require a cleansing. Every single one of us. And it is up to you to seek out that cleansing. Everyone, the Old Testament saints, they would touch physically, touch death for us, beloved. It is us touching death, which is brought upon us through the yoke of sin, and we become defiled. And I want to tell you, if you do not seek out the cleansing of Christ that he provides you, you will not be welcome into God's holy place. You will not be invited and allowed into the holy of holies. Why? Because an unholy and unclean and unpurified thing cannot enter into the presence of a holy God. Are y'all hearing me today? You must, beloved, you must receive the cleansing from the death that you have been exposed to or you will be cut off from the people, and you will not be welcome in his holy place. Now, I don't know about you, but the very thought of that terrifies me, because to be cut off means to be completely separated from God. To have God no longer be a part of my life is utterly terrifying, because in eternity, what that means for me is that I'm in hell, and that's what awaits us. And I'm not sharing this message to scare you, but to encourage you, to motivate you, that all you have to do is seek out the cleansing from the death that you have touched and receive the purification. The Bible says, receive this living water Everyone knows the story of Jesus when he met that Samaritan woman, and he says, if you knew who you was talking to, you would ask for the living water. Come on now. Jesus has the blood that will cleanse you and will allow you into the holy place, and he will fill you and restore you and cleanse you with the living water that only he can provide. Can somebody say amen?
Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want to close today with a promise. And it ain't my promise. It is a promise of Scripture. So let me read to you today as we close from Hebrews chapter 10. If y'all haven't noticed, I read a lot from Hebrews today. There's some great revelation in Hebrews. It connects a lot of Old Testament. Hebrews 10, verse 21 through 22 reads this. And since we have a great high priest, praise the living God. Since we have a great high priest who rules over God's people, let us go right into the presence of God. No intermediary, no priest or tablet. Jesus is our high priest now. The scripture says, let us go right into the presence of God with true hearts, fully, beloved, hear me. Scripture says, because we can enter into the presence of God because of our high priest, Jesus Christ, we, we should enter with hearts fully trusting him. For our evil consequence have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Thank you, God. You see, we see in this red heifer sacrifice a perfect animal. And we see in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ a perfect man. A perfect man who left his comfort in heaven. A, a perfect man who walked voluntarily, walked outside the camp to climb with his cross onto a mountain to die for all of us. That's what we see in Numbers 19. Now, there may be some of you in this room right now who have never asked for Jesus to come into your heart. And there may be some of you who are Christians, and maybe you've fallen away. Maybe you've recently been struggling. Well, maybe God this morning is calling you. Maybe, just maybe, that God is ministering to you today through the truth of his word, Old Testament truth revealed in New Testament. Maybe today, this is what you needed to hear. Whatever you needed, whatever you need, God has provided. And he's inviting you to join him outside the camp today. Will you follow him? Will you carry to his reproach? I hope that you will.